Tonight, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews chapter number 12, beginning at verse number 1, 2, and 3. Certainly no unfamiliar passages of Scripture tonight for you and I. We've heard several, several times teaching and preaching from these verses of Scripture. In fact, it wasn't just but just a few weeks ago that Brother Mike Bingham drew from one of these passages of Scripture and preached for us. But my heart goes to these passages tonight found in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning of verse 1, 2, and 3. And I'd like for us to read tonight together in the word of the Lord. Hebrews 12, 1, and it reads, Wherefore, seeing we are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Pray with me tonight, would you? Lord Jesus, tonight we honor you as our Lord and Savior, the King and mighty God that you are. For Lord, we know without you we're nothing. You remain our hope and our confidence. You are our strength. You are all to them that trust in you. I pray tonight, God, your hand upon every heart, every soul that is gathered in this place of worship. And I'm asking God, our hearts being drawn to you, let us receive of your word tonight the very thing, God, that will help us to endure, the very thing that will enable us to stand and help us to Run, God, in faithful patience. Oh, God, into your glorious appearing. Anoint these lips of clay. We'll surely give you the praise and the glory and the honor. For in the precious name of Jesus Christ, we ask and pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated today. Lay it aside. Lay it aside. One commentator said concerning every weight, he said to lay aside the weight and the sin. But the commentator said about this, about every weight, it is all inordinate affection and concern for the body and the present life and world. And this becomes a dead weight upon the soul. Now think about that. That pulls it down when it should ascend upwards and pulls it back when it should press forward. He said, the commentator said, every weight, they are the things of our flesh that get us sidetracked. They are the things in our life that calls us to get off that path that we must remain upon. I believe we could describe it simply as this. They are unhealthy, obsessive attachments. We've got to get rid of them. We've got to shake them off of us because it doesn't matter what it is. 
And every one of us may have some things similar, but they may be different as well. But no matter what the weight is you have or I have, we cannot, church, afford to allow those weights to stay attached to us. Why? Because they will weigh you down, they will bog you down, and they will get you a point into a place that where your praises seem like they can no longer reach the heavens. Maybe you have been there. Maybe you are right now. Because I believe all of us are going through things at different times. Maybe you just came through something. Maybe you went through that valley, and that valley seemed so long. And through that valley, there were things that got attached. Oh, you got through it, but there's still some scars. There's still some things that seem don't want to just let go. Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? Is it just me? Because I believe tonight, church, the adversary who's had, and I'm not bragging him up tonight, I'm just telling you, we've got to be wise. He's had a lot of time to practice against human nature. And he wants to take advantage of your hardships. He wants to take advantage of the things you and I have been through or going through. And because of those things, if we're not careful, he'll begin to attach some unhealthy, some inordinate affections unto us. If we're not careful, a root of bitterness could come and creep up and begin to attach to us. God forbid. If we're not careful, that spirit of anger could somehow get a hold of us. I remember that old man, and I don't don't like him. I don't want that old man back. That old man's under the blood, and that's where he needs to stay. If we're not careful, a spirit of jealousy could get a hold of us because our neighbor seems to have everything that they... Man, they got that nice new car. They got this new thing here. And and, and they seem to have everything going and they're always happy. They get to take the vacation all the time. And we're not careful. A spirit of jealousy can get a hold of us. We allow our eyes to begin to venture off and we get sidetracked from what our goal is. Oh, I want to see him. Hallelujah, I want to see him. We've got to be so, so careful. No wonder why the writer reminds us that any and all of us have the same type of temptations. They become first weight, and secondly, they become sin if we don't get rid of them. He said, lay them aside. Get rid of them. Too often we carry these weights around and They bog down on us. They weary our thinking. And we carry them. I don't know why we do that. Why do we do that? Until something jars our attention and calls us to realize, what am I doing? Why am I trying to carry this mess? It's not doing me no bit of good. Why am I allowing worry to overtake my thinking? Come on, I know I'm talking to somebody tonight. What am I allowing the worry and the fears of tomorrow to overtake me? Why am I allowing the concerns of this life to seem so great to the point that I don't know if God can help me? Oh, help us, Lord. 
help us, Lord. That's dangerous thinking. Or remember, we go back in the book of Hebrews, we read it was because of unbelief they were unable to go into the land of promise. Do not allow that spirit of unbelief to get a hold of you, church. You better shake that one off right away. You may have some doubts. Uh, you may have some uh, misunderstanding. Oh, but do not allow unbelief uh, to get a hold on you because unbelief will cause you to be lost and you will miss your home in heaven. The apostle, the writer here, tells us that we've been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. We've read in Hebrews 11, it tells about those witnesses, doesn't it? It tells us of Abraham. It tells us of Sarah. It tells us of Noah. It tells us of Enoch who walked with God and was not. God took him. It tells us of many of the patriarchs of old and how through their faith, through their confidence in God, God brought them through great tests and trials, through battles and struggles of life. And these were people, church, that did not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. These are people that had never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and their sins were washed away. These were people that only knew the law, and some of them even before the law. These were people who just had faith in God. I believe tonight we need to remember where our faith must rest, I mean, and where it must stay. Your faith is never, hear me clear, your faith must never be in your finances because they can diminish like a snap of your finger. Your faith should never be in you know this so-and-so who has this position and you got the confidence because you know so-and-so that everything's going to be all right. I want to tell you something. If that so-and-so is not Jesus Christ and that so-and-so won't be able to help you every time. But my faith, your faith, our faith tonight is challenged in this hour that we're in. Because these weights the enemy is trying to attach to the church to bog her down. No wonder why the writer said, be not weary in well-doing. For in due season you'll reap if you faint not. Listen to me tonight. We know what it is to do well. We know what it is to do right. That should never be an option. That should just be our life. We should never consider option B. Always do the right thing. And for the right reason. Because if you'll maintain that, you're not going to stray. It's when you get self-motive. It's when you get stubbornness. It's when you get rebellion. It's when you get these things that can attach to you and I if we're not careful that can lead us astray. Our flesh is so good to justify itself, isn't it? It is. We justify our situation and scenario because of our circumstances. But may I remind you there are others that have been through what you're going through. 
There are others that have been through what you and I are experiencing. And they came through, proven and tried. And please God, with that stamp of approval, church tonight, I want to meet his approval. I want to please him. I want to be obedient to the Holy Ghost. I want to obey the word of God. There's only one way you can do it. You've got to learn to lay aside those things that want to get a hold of you and I. The sin we know, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21, the sin you know, the man of God is speaking of, he calls it out in Galatians 5, 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revilings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God the Apostle Paul makes it clear, you're not going to make heaven your home if any of these things have foothold in your life. I believe tonight, church, that we can overcome every one of these by doing one main thing, and that is keeping the love of God in our hearts strong, staying under the blood that was shed for us, or covering in a cleansing. I believe our answer the apostle gives us looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, we realize that he endured. He went through every test imaginable. He passed the temptation test in the wilderness with Satan. Forty-day fast, he endured temptation. Think about that, how weak his body had to be. been. Yes, he was God, but he was man. Forty days without food and water, being tempted during the whole time in the wilderness, the enemy was tempting him. You and I are going to face temptations. We're going to go through a wilderness experience, and we're going to be tried. The question is, are you going to put your confidence in your ability or God? Your ability, no matter how smart you are, no matter how long you've been living for God, if you're relying on your ability, it's going to fail you. There's some folk that think they're mighty strong. I can tell you this guy acknowledges I am nothing without him. I need him every second of every minute of every hour of every day. I stand here to declare before you that it is he who gives me the strength and helps me to lay aside them weights and the sin that tries to beset us. The question always remains is, will you be one of them that loves that sin for a season? God help us tonight. I think all of us at one time or another 
have fallen to some form of temptation, have experienced some area where we have failed miserably. And to think that you and I can do this on our own, we would be mighty foolish. And if you made it this long, just remember, the trumpet's not sounded yet. And you better keep your confidence in him and not yourself. I can't do it. You can't do it on your own. We need his strength. We've got to have his strength. But by example, he showed us how to do it. The test for you and I is, are we willing to do it? I want that one to sink in for a moment. Are we willing to do it? He endured all manner of evil that was presented to him. He endured all the contradiction of his teaching and his preaching. All those that come against him when he tried to minister, they tried to tear down what he tried to build up. You're never going to escape that. There's always an enemy that's going to try to tear down what you're trying to build in God. But I'll tell you this much, you keep building anyway. You've laid that brick and the water rushes and before the mortar set and it washes out, that's all right. You just mix up some more mortar and you lay that brick again in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, it's not a time to stop laying the block. It's not a time to quit laying the found, uh, building on the foundation, rather. The foundation has already been laid, but we are to build upon that foundation, church. We must continue to build on it. We already said, be not weary in well-doing. You keep on inviting them to the house of God. You keep on living the life, the, the life that he's called you to live. Just because... You don't feel him every day the way you would like to does not mean you give up and quit. Just because you don't feel him today like you did necessarily the day or night God filled you with the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you give up. I've heard several testimonies and I've read books of men of God who went through some dry spells. Any of you ever been through some dry spells? Several years ago, I remember going through one of them dry spells. I don't know how many months it was now. I couldn't tell you. It seemed like it was forever. I was one of the most miserable people on the face of the earth. Nobody knew it because I wasn't going to show it. I went to my job. Couldn't feel God. Went home, I hardly could feel God. I was still praying. I was still fasting. I was still reading my Bible. I was still going to the house of God. I didn't quit on God, but I couldn't feel him, Brother Willis. I, I didn't understand it. I couldn't understand it. I, I didn't know what was going on. I thought, what have I done? What is my mistake? What is my error? I couldn't understand why I was feeling the way I was. I was one of the most empty souls there was. The only time I felt any peace, the only time I felt any presence was when I went to the house of God and I began to worship him. I would feel him then. I could feel him some in the preaching. But when I would leave, it was back to that empty spot again. He was back to that lonely place again. He was back to that place where I felt like, what's happened? 
what's happened. But I'm reminded of what the scripture says. He that endureth to the end. We've got to endure hardness, church. We've got to learn to endure hardships. Jesus showed us when they came against him, they tempted him, they tested him. This woman we've caught in the very act of adultery, the law of Moses says she should be stoned to death. What do you say? Put him right on the spot. He's preaching love and forgiveness, turn the other cheek, and now he's presented with a woman by the law of Moses, and they were still under the law, who should be stoned to death. What do you say, Jesus? Hey, Lord, is it right to pray, uh, pay tribute to Caesar? Imagine the Lord, he's so sick of it, Brother Willis. So sick of it. I tell you what, he had the ability to twist their thinking in their mind. He could have blew their minds away with things if he wanted to. He just endured it patiently. He just dealt with it. Sometimes you want to give a piece of your mind. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let God do the work. Well, I'm not telling you there's times where you may not have to have some tough talks. We all have to have them, don't we? We do. We don't enjoy them. But just because you're having that talk does not give you the right to tear down your brother, your sister, your neighbor, or even your enemy. Because then you're in danger of the wrath of God. So we must be careful. But weights can attach to us. Feelings can begin to get a hold of you and I. And, and if we're not careful, those feelings will get your thinking going in a direction it should not go. If we're not careful, that person those persons, that group, et cetera, et cetera. If we're not careful, we begin to build within our hearts a resentment, an ill feeling, a bitterness, an anger. And the apostle said, strifes, envies, murders, jealousies, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. It's a dangerous thing. We allow things to allow situations to get a hold of our thinking. We've all had someone that's done us wrong. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. If you haven't, you will. But it really comes down to how you're going to deal with it. Someone may talk about you and spread gossip about you. They can say, oh, Branson, oh, he's, a, he's just a terrible fellow. I mean, they could go on and on. Branson, you shake that off, buddy. You shake that off. You come to the house of God, you give praise to God, and when you see that person, you treat them right. 
you love them, you be kind to them. You're always going to have somebody talking. I don't want to be in their shoes when the Lord comes. I can tell you where they won't be going. Don't be one of them. When you're tempted to let your yapper yap, 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 better get a hold of it. I've had to get a hold of mine. James said the tongue's an unruly member. Yeah. Oh, it boasts great things, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, there's a fire with that tongue. But I know the Holy Ghost can put it in its place. Hallelujah. I know what God can do if we'll allow him. But let me move forward tonight because Jesus does give us the answer. He endured it all, but he shows us what we need to do, what we must do. There is only one answer. Matthew chapter number 6. I like to read beginning verse 16 through 18. Here's your answer tonight. This is the only answer and solution. Moreover, when ye fast, he's not saying if, he's saying when, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you that they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face. Let me just put this in modern terms. Look normal and be cheerful. Verse 18. That thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which is seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Here's your answer, church, to overcome your situations. I only know one way to overcome this flesh, and that's to chastise it. It's to put it under submission according to the word of God. Jesus gave us the answer right here. And through fasting and prayer, I believe we can gain the latter part of what the apostle said in Galatians chapter 5. And the end results will be these. Galatians 5, beginning verse 22 through 25. As I'm coming to a close tonight, Sister Pam would come. I want to read these verses to us. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified. There it is. How are you going to crucify the flesh? We just read it. Jesus told us. They who crucify the flesh with the affections and lust. If we have, and it says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Church, tonight, if you feel any of these things creeping on you, your pastor's giving you the direction what you need to do. You need to push the plate aside. You need to spend some time alone with God and say, it's time, oh boy, you're going to get in check. 
We're going to do the fruit check in the Word of God. And wherever you're lacking, God, let your Word pierce my heart with conviction and get it right. I want to sing this song.